Moving to Live is a podcast about movement and exercise. We bring you interviews with professionals in the movement and exercise field. The goal is to provide information for other professionals and also amateur movement aficionados, people who understand that movement is part of what makes life complete. Some of the people we interview you will have heard of. They're well known in and outside of the movement and exercise profession. Others you may not have heard of, but they have a great deal of knowledge to share. Many people doing the best work spend their time working with people, not working on their social media presence. We're going to give you a chance to learn from some of these talented and knowledgeable individuals, and we're going to learn along with you. Moving to Live podcasts are going to be short. Each interview will be long enough to impart usable information, but short enough to be able to be consumed in a single bout, during your workout, commute, or even during dinner prep. We all like long-form interviews, but time is valuable. Moving to Live wants to give you the option to learn and be entertained without needing to commit 60 minutes at a time for an interview. Give Moving to Live a listen. Check out our sister podcast, FitLab PGH, which highlights people, businesses, events, and activities in the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area that make movement a priority. Moving to Live would love to hear from you. Want to connect with us or have an idea for somebody you think we ought to interview? Drop us an email, mov2liv at gmail.com, or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter, both underscore mov2liv. We're excited to bring you these interviews, and we think you'll enjoy each and every one that we bring you. Welcome back to another edition of the Moving to Live podcast. As you heard in the intro, we are a podcast where we try to break down knowledge silos. Our ethos, along with our sister podcast, FitLab Pittsburgh, is to spread the word that movement should be treated as a lifestyle, not just an activity. Some of our best guests often come from recommendations or introductions from other guests. And a big thank you to Fred Go of PT Helper, who connected me with today's guest. Fred was the sponsor or co-sponsor with PT Helper of a virtual clinic that was held with uh, company called Urban Polling. And when I saw Urban Polling, I'm like, I'm not exactly sure what that is. I looked it up, I found out, and I was fortunate enough that the founder of the company, Mandy Shantani, who is a gerontologist and an occupational therapist, was willing to speak to me. So Mandy, thanks for taking time to talk to Moving to Live. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me, Ben. And I agree, sometimes the name is a bit misleading in terms of, uh, of what it represents. I know my first question I always like to start out with with uh, moving to live is what's your elevator spiel when you get on the elevator someplace and you're either carrying an urban polling tote bag, or you have an urban polling shirt on mm-hmm. and people say, what do you do or who are you? What do you tell them? Okay, in two minutes. Well, generally what I'll say to them is that urban polling is based on Nordic walking, which is a fitness activity that... Uh, is very popular over in Scandinavia who have the healthiest people um, in the world. And basically your upper body is doing something that looks like cross country skiing and your lower body, you're just walking in urban settings. So, you know, sidewalks, roads, um, parks, trails, I mean, you can use it for a variety of other different ways, but that's usually my uh, elevator pitch on the on the topic. 
And I know we'll get into that in more detail in the second half of the interview. Out of curiosity, just for the listeners, how does this differ from maybe somebody who's a hiker or a trail runner who uses poles on rough terrain? Oh, yeah. Well, great question. We, no, we get asked that a lot. Well, basically, I mean, I'm a big hiker myself. And the difference is, is that it's one is the design of the pole. And second of all, it's the technique. So when you're hiking, usually, you're, you know, your elbows are bent and you're using it to offload the weight off your hips and knees and to give you a bit more stability. Whereas this activity, your arms are straight, more like cross-country skiing. I'm not sure if every if all your uh, listeners are familiar with cross-country skiing. And it's more about changing your walking into brisk walking or um, an athletic walk where you're using the pole and it's got a ledge um, that's designed in it that you press down that ledge as you move your arm back and you get, you start, you work like 75 to 90% of your muscles. So it's all about getting like a high intensity cardio and uh, including resistance training there as, as well. So just like different benefits, different poles, and then different technique. So it's almost like it's the exact opposite when the trail runners are using it or the hikers they're using it as you said to offload the body or to offload the work or decrease the work in the case of urban polling you're trying to increase the workload or make it more of a workout is that an accurate representation yeah absolutely that's a great description however just to you know add to the confusion we developed it in two different ways like what we did was we took the generic activity of nordic walking and we looked at like i'm as as an occupational therapist i first looked at the research and then i was like hey how could we adapt this so that we can actually use this fitness activity for rehabilitation so in that case it's more like hiking you know balance posture offloading like here in Canada for instance it's like best practices to use it for pre and post hip and knee surgery for those exact reasons so on the one hand um, you would do all those you would use it for that reason for rehab but on the other hand if you wanted to use it for losing weight or you know for increasing your intensity of your exercises so for example um, here in Canada, people with diabetes, people recovering from cardiac heart surgery, uh, people who are obese will actually use the urban polling or the fitness technique, whereas Parkinson's, stroke, pre knee surgery, um, you know, other neurological conditions, they will actually use our activator poles, which provides more balance and stability and offloading. And I think one of the most interesting things with moving to live when I get the opportunity to interview people across the movement spectrum is to find out their story first, how they got into their career. And then also in your case, how you have a career and you developed a company with, uh, with urban polling. So I'm curious growing up, were you an active kid or was this something that the importance of movement, uh, arrived later, maybe during schooling? Well, you know, occupational therapists tend to be more, like the reason I got into this is that we're really obsessed with adapting devices. 
So whereas more of the gait and exercise is related to physiotherapists. So while I spend a lot of time talking to physiotherapists and exercise physiologists and fitness instructors on how to use it, I would say the similarity of occupational therapy is more about how I looked at the changing the design and the technique. And just, yeah, interesting enough, I wasn't, I was always active in terms of doing things on my own. So the reason why this has led into being such a great career for me is that when I was a kid, I did more things like I walked, I biked, I, you know, I like to, um, I like to, you know, hike in the outdoors. I wasn't doing a lot of team sports and I was never somebody who I felt like I had to really, you know, um, work strenuously, you know, to me, it was always about the enjoyment of doing it and just, you know, being active. So it, yeah, kind of translates well to this. And yeah, just interesting enough, I actually was going to be a social worker and I met a social worker and she was like, hmm, you know what? I think you're more suited to being an occupational therapist. So um, I was just thinking about her the other day, because it's funny how you have a conversation and it changes your entire life. And I looked into it and I just loved how it was about fostering independence and um, function. And that really, you know, um, got me on the route to being an occupational therapist. And I think you hit on something, whether you realized or not, with what you said, what you did uh, moving around when you were growing up, you did things that you enjoyed doing. And I know one of the things that often, if you want a lifetime of movement and you want to maintain your independence, if you don't enjoy doing things, you're not likely to do it. So I I think whether it was consciously or unconsciously for yourself Uh personally, it's like at a young age, like I like doing this. I like walking. And I suspect a lot of the difficulty for many people who maybe stop moving maybe after they graduate from university mm-hmm. or maybe they have some sort of an orthopedic injury or a chronic disease or something is that they never really enjoyed it and they never learned or to try something that says hey i really enjoy doing this so i think you you found a blessing early on whether you realized it or not yeah no i totally agree with you because i mean i think that's one of the reasons why we've gotten obesity crisis is because you know, there. I think when you're younger, there's so much emphasis too on team sports or the competitive side. And I agree with you so that when people leave high school, they don't really have the tools to develop like lifelong, a lifelong love of fitness. Whereas, um, I mean, that's one thing I love about the polls too, is that we have people using the polls, like in Finland, for instance, and in Sweden, they use them in preschool it was their Olympic summer training program for their um, cross-country team. You know, moms use it and older adults. So it kind of goes through all the spectrum. And that's one thing I think is so neat is that you can use polls, you know, it doesn't matter your age, it doesn't matter your physical level. And the other cool thing is that I really like about them too is that, you know, so many times I find in rehab, we'll say to people, okay, do these exercises and do these during the rehab. And then, you know, people will do them for a few weeks and then they get bored. But one thing I've noticed about the polls is we've been doing it for 15 years is that I'll go into these, you know, um, different groups of, you know, where they work on specific conditions like stroke or Parkinson's. And I've met people who are still using them, 
you know, after 12 or 14 years. So it's really the, the whole mission of our company really fits in well with what I believe about exercise and activity that, and what I think therapists should really think about too is not just what you do in your rehab period, but how are we going to keep this one person active for the rest of their life? And I would imagine, even though, as you said, they're designed for urban, they're still used a fair amount in parks or even just walking on, on city streets on the sidewalks. There's a lot of benefits, I think, just to being out with fresh air and also the different mm-hmm. visual things. You know, if you happen to walk on a down, down a, a tree-lined street, you can see how it differs from season to season. And there may be yeah. a, a bird or something that you see. And I would imagine that also helps keep people saying, you know, I want to do this rather than, oh, God, I got to go do my rehab exercises on the floor oh, again. Wow. Not that that isn't required sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really interesting doing like, you know, I don't know what it's like in Pittsburgh, but here in Vancouver, what's really cool during this time is that I can't believe how people are walking. And just like you said, like they're really noticing, you know, their neighbor's garden. And so, you know, I mean, one thing we've been really lucky as a company is that, um, you know, you can still walk and use our poles during this time. But I agree. I think it's kind of a perfect time that people are slowing down, taking a look around and smelling the roses and and uh, and using their poles. So I think what you, you also hit on an interesting point there with the, they can do this even at this time of, of COVID-19. I know for my local podcast, FitLab Pittsburgh, we do uh three times a week, one minute movement tip and lifestyle hack videos. And one of the videos we made got a few months back is, you know, at some point we're going to have a new normal where maybe like we have, we have some restrictions here in the United States. I'm not sure what it is in Canada and literally differs state to state, but like right now in Pennsylvania, we're supposed to wear masks when we're out. But, right. you know, one of the, yeah. one of the things that we encouraged people in Pittsburgh with the ethos is, you know, find something or some things that no matter what happens, you still have control over them with movement. I think, I think that's one of the things that you've hit on with the urban poles is if you can get outside, mm-hmm. you can do this particular workout or activity, whether it is a fitness activity or whether it's just movement because it makes you feel good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I mean, the other thing too, is that even, you know, without these times, I found a lot of people don't like to go to the gym. And then it's a, you know, a lot of work to get ready and you got to drive down there. So, you know, just being able to recognize that, you know, we have, we can be active just walking out the door. And it was my Swedish neighbor that actually introduced me to um, the generic name of this Nordic walking. And, you know, the Swedes are the healthiest people on the planet. So I think whenever um, we need to, you know, have advice about being healthy, the Swedes are always a, a great resource. Absolutely. I'm curious. I mean, I, you gave a great description on how you, I guess you could accurately say, fell into getting into mm-hmm. occupational therapy, just a, a conversation with a social worker. How did you come up with the idea of saying, you know, I'm really going to develop a company that makes walking poles and I'm going to develop education to say, to teach people these aren't just for walking. You can use them as a rehab. You can use them as a lifestyle change. Well, um, 
Yeah, I mean, it would basically, it just started, I was doing my master's degree um, for gerontology. And I was like, you know, what are the, what are that, what is the healthy aging trends that are out there? And then when my neighbor introduced me, I said, so I asked her, uh, I said, what are you guys doing in Sweden? So she said, well, we just walk. And that just got, actually blew me away, first of all. So I was like, wow, when you think about all the things we do, and the Swedes and the Finns are just walking, um, you know, to stay uh, healthy. And then she said, oh, but everyone uses poles. And I had, and it's called Nordic walking. Well, I had never heard of that concept before. I was like, what? You guys use walking poles? Like, as if you're skiing um, on the sidewalks. And when I looked at the research, like there was actually 300 independent peer-reviewed studies on PubMed right now on Nordic walking. I was absolutely blown away because I was like, oh my goodness, this is, these hit all the goals we're trying to achieve in rehabilitation. And it's such a simple concept. It has so many benefits. Like even after 15 years, I'm still I just can't get over how much new research is coming out and, you know, how much sense it makes for rehabilitation. Because when you're using the poles, you're actually mimicking a normal walking pattern. And when you look at so many conditions like Parkinson's and stroke and MS and, you know, even your pre and post hip and knee pain, all of that changes the way that we walk. And so, you know, as soon as you change the way you walk and you change your posture, then you're going to have more pain. You're going to have muscle imbalances. You know, you're going to have an increased frequency of falls. You're going to reduce your balance. So it's funny. I just come to realize like how many things are come back to maintaining that normal um, functional gait pattern. And so, you know, besides the, all the other benefits that are associated with it too. So. Then when I looked at it, I thought, well, why wouldn't I try to adapt this for rehabilitation? Because the, the, the actual design, like, I'll just give you a couple examples. One of them is that, you know, most of them come with a turn lock system or flip lock. Well, that's quite challenging for people who are older or have neurological conditions to um, have that adequate grip strength. So we changed it into a button lock system. And then here in Canada, we've actually been able to change it so that people are actually using our activator poles instead of um, canes and to reduce or delay the use of crutches and walkers when appropriate and when assessed by, you know, obviously a, a qualified rehab or fitness professional. And um so then I looked at, yeah, how do you, you know, just change it to the weight-bearing capacity on these poles is going to be strong enough that you can use it instead of these other devices. And then most poles come with straps. And if you look at the research, you know, a lot of reasons why people injure themselves with poles is actually the strap itself. So then we developed it. It's got an ergonomic handle with a really wide ledge on it instead of a strap. And it's that ledge that you can use on the handle to push down on it for engaging the core, for offloading, for balance. So it really, yeah, sort of. And then initially I was thinking, oh, I'm going to bring it to the therapist and they're going to love this and we're going to convert everyone. Well, that practice actually took a long time because therapists, I can say this because I am one, were really slow to change compared to fitness trainers. 
So to be honest, when we started this company, the way that we stayed afloat was that um, we had a lot more interest from the fitness industry, from fitness instructors, and actually even therapists wanted to just use it for themselves instead of for clients. And they want to lose it to manage their, you know, waist circumference and increase their cardio. So um, that's kind of how we got in both industries. I think it's interesting. You you took the question away from me when you said it was potentially the use in rehab to uh, delay the use of crutches or maybe instead of canes. I'm curious with your patients that you've worked with, what is their initial impetus and has it changed over time when you say, you know, instead of this cane, why don't we try these poles? And I'm looking at your website and I see you have different colors and different designs. So I would imagine some people would say, that's great. And other people wouldn't. Could you maybe share what the perception was of patients when you introduced them to this? Yeah. You know, it was a little, I think it's a little bit easier here in Canada, although 15 years ago, people were like, initially were like, what? Um, that's interesting, but we do use poles a lot here in Canada. Like for, so they have seen them a lot, like, and they've seen them a lot for like hiking, snowshoeing, skiing, cross country. So, in some ways, people were like, "Oh wow, you you want me to exercise, and you know, you don't see me as declining and being, uh, you know, the negative perceptions of disability." Um, so some of them really liked it and were really keen to try it because they felt there would be less stigma to use poles compared to using a walker. And of course, definitely compared to using, um, oh, sorry, definitely compared to using a walker and, and, and a cane. And then other people, it was more challenging. They didn't want to be, um, I think they didn't want to be the focus of attention when they were walking the community. So they would only do it if I suggested a group or doing it with their spouse. So it definitely has changed over time. I would say now it's quite mainstream here, but that is definitely, um, you know, one like we're just starting in the U S and I find the places where polls are more, are used more consistently it's probably going to be an easier integration into rehab and fitness. That's interesting. You say that I know here in the Pittsburgh area, I do a little personal training on the side. And a few years ago, I had a a client who's a long-term for a long period of time, 30 plus years, she had rheumatoid arthritis and really Mm -hmm. went out of her way to stay active, but she was going to New Zealand and Australia with her husband and some friends. And she was worried about some of the hikes and, you know, she was, She's able to walk, but she was a little concerned because they were going off road. And I gave her a pair of hiking poles and said, you know, just try this, you know, and I I still remember getting a text message from her uh, of a a selfie of her on a cliff, you know, on a a trail overlooking the ocean. It's like, you know, and she'd never heard of them before. I've encouraged her to, you know, you put them in your car. And if you're someplace where you think you feel a little Uh bit less secure, use them because that's much better than taking a fall. And I think... The, the fact that uh, you're introducing to something that's specifically designed, you know, is, is, uh, is very beneficial. I'm curious when you were in your gerontology yeah. reprogram and you talked to your Swedish neighbor and you said, Ooh, I want to do this. How did that transition to saying, Hey, this is an idea for a company versus, Hey, this is something I'm going to use in my practice with my patients. 
Oh, (laughs) I mean, I am kind of an entrepreneur at heart. And I like, to be honest, I had this conversation with my Swedish neighbor and we literally decided at the end of the hour that we were going to start a company. I just got so excited when she, you know, when she was talking to me about it. I'm like, what? Like, I mean, initially I was very, you know, I don't understand. And then, you know, um, and then, you know, kept talking and I said, and it just, by the end of the conversation, cause I mean, I remember too, she also said, you know, I was thinking I should bring this to Canada. And then I, I had said to her, I want to do it with you. Like I have so many ideas of, you know, so it kind of, <laughs> I have to say most of the decisions I've made in my life are definitely someone will say something to me and it just rings true for me. And then I just know it's something I have to follow because it kind of, yeah, instinctively, or, or it just fits in with other values or ideas that I have. And I have to say, like, most of the times I've just followed that. And in this particular case, here I am 15 years later, and I still get a lot of enjoyment out of it. I'm curious, as somebody who founded the company and has it, I, I always ask people who have a business where they have something or if they're bicycle uh, racers, how, how many pairs of poles do you actually own for your own personal use? Right. <laughs> well, I always have, yeah, my car is full of poles <laughs> and um, our storage closet is. You know what was really neat about the poles, too, when you say that is, like there's, you know, I mean, having your own business is challenging, you know, I mean, everyone talks about how exciting it is and absolutely, but it's incredibly challenging. And what's been really interesting throughout this 15 years is that whenever I have a low period where, you know, I mean, we're dealing with so many different things, something will happen where I will get a, a greater appreciation of the polls. I'll just give you an example. I was, you know, I was working as a therapist. And then when I started wearing this company, because I was at my desk so much, I started to get shoulder. I actually got a frozen shoulder because I was spending such long hours trying to get the company up and going. And, and, um, and then I started using the pole. Like I was like, hey, why wouldn't I do shoulder exercise? Because I could barely move my arms. So I used the end of the pole to push my hand into different ranges and then I was like why wouldn't I you know just walk with the the poles to move you know exercise my shoulder joint and then I realized hey in a kilometer I I was actually moving my arm 500 times like what other exercise in a kilometer could I or 10 minutes could I be moving my arm 500 times so um and then you know when I got into you know um, my fifties where I was getting more irritable, you know, cause of menopause. And then I started using my poles more just to, you know, get outside and just reduce my stress. And so I just find throughout the whole thing that I keep coming back to. And then, um, my husband is a biologist and he really got me into backcountry hiking. And then we were like, just like you and your friend in New Zealand, we're like, Oh my gosh, you, hiking with poles makes such a difference. So it just, even for myself, I have to say, I keep rolling back into, you know, using the poles and yeah, I'm not actually, you're right. I'm obsessed with them. There's yeah. <laughs> but it, it makes sense. If you're going to have a business, you, you better be obsessed. I'm reminded of taking a, uh, how do you, how to use an espresso machine at a coffee shop. And right. it was me and another espresso nerd and a lady who 
was mm-hmm. there. She said, I want to op- open a coffee shop, but I don't really like coffee. Okay. which I never really understood. I don't know if the coffee shop ever came to fruition, but if you don't like to walk with poles and exercise with poles, I think it would be difficult to have a successful company and a successful business where you're educating other people in the use of poles. Mm-hmm. I mean, that always, I think that is what makes it fun when you can speak authentically about something and yeah. And, and that's really what I think keeps you going when you have your own company, because you know, it, it, it's a challenging environment, particularly ours is, you know, um, a combination of we do training, which is really fun and retailing. But I think, you know, for all retailers right now, it's a challenging time. And I think what keeps you often going is, you know, your passion, your enthusiasm and your interest. And let's delve into that a little bit. I know, I, as I said in the intro, I first became aware of urban polling by seeing uh, a post that you made that was reposted by Fred Go of PT Helper, and you had a virtual conference. When you started the company, were you starting it to educate people on polls, or were you starting it uh, to sell polls to people, or a combination? How did you get into the education aspect? Well, we kind of really fell into that because... Initially, I was thinking, oh, this would be so easy for people to understand how to use it for rehabilitation and for fitness. And what I found was people kept asking us, no, I, you know, I, I want you to, you know, come back and, and, and teach me how to use this. And then I would for an hour and then they'd say, no, I, you know, I, I need more instruction. So I just, you know, I, I realized that people weren't going to use it unless we trained them really well and they felt confident so um that's really how it got started and then we realized you know we're a small company how do we you know cover this massive area so we went online and then with covid we decided you know let's just try a live virtual conference so it's really been about changing with the times as well like actually what's interesting too is that we first started I also gave a lot of webinars to therapists and that was quite a new concept when we first started. I mean, we really did it because it was economical and it was easy, but really it actually, I think introduced a lot of therapists to a new way of learning as well, because not a lot of people, you know, when we started off, were doing it that way. So um, yeah, I think we've just been lucky and we've kind of just tried to change along with the times too. And I know just looking at when your company was founded in the early 2000s, the, just the changes in the speed of the internet and the access to the internet has really mm. made it much easier to have webinars and much easier to have live conferences. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and, and now we've been lucky that we've been able to expand into Ireland and the UK and Australia. So, you know, that, you know, online and virtual system has helped even more. I mean, there's just it just wouldn't be possible us to continue on with, you know, doing live training in those areas. So. And I know I've had the good fortune of being able to, to look at your website and have you fill out a brief questionnaire, but you can talk, could you talk a little bit about the different types of education you have? Because you've kind of touched on the fact that with the urban polls, you know, you first made your inroads into the, in the fitness community, and now you're also making more inroads into the rehab and how it's good, literally both across the aging spectrum and across the, uh, the health and wellness spectrum. So what types of education can, can people get or what types of education have you put together? 
Well, what we've done is we've tried to do a lot of single webinars on specific conditions. So if you go to our website, you'll see it on everything from, you know, traumatic spinal injuries, spinal stenosis, sports injuries, hip and pre, you know, pre and post hip and knee surgery, and then, you know, all the neurological conditions um, like Parkinson's stroke, uh, acquired brain injury. So we've done one hour that a lot of those are free on our website. We've got international uh, recognized, you know, physio and, and fitness instructors uh, who are guest speakers on those. And then we've got a half day course where you can really delve into a lot of those conditions and learn the different techniques. And also when we first started using it, Therapists were primarily using it to really fix people's walking patterns, but I would say now we use it just as much for seated and standing exercises. So, you know, hence why we were working with um, PT Helper with, you know, with Fred. Um, he took a lot of our exercises and, you know, inserted them into PT Helper. Um, and then on the fitness side, we have same thing. We have individual ones on. Um, how to increase, you know, intensity and use it for wellness or uh, for seniors and schools and, and, and different avenues. And then we've got the, the half-day course for fitness instructors to learn how to do uh, more of a vigorous fitness component of it and also to do the seat and standing exercise, but obviously they're um, at a higher intensity. Um, yeah, so I would say that's basically our training programs in a, in a nutshell. And for people who are listening, is it possible to do all of these uh, programs online or some of them only face-to-face? -face? Uh, no, all of them we've actually got online right now. Awesome. Again, I've got the advantage of being able to look at the webpage, and I think you've done, you did a great job of explaining how you changed the handle on the poles when you were mentioning many of the injuries are caused by straps that traditional poles have. My immediate thought was skier's thumb. Uh, I'm curious, what are some of the yeah. pe people who are not familiar with poles or they're in the, they go to their local big box sporting goods store yeah. and there's, there's the $20 and 95 cent version yeah. and they're saying, well, why don't, why don't I want these? Why do I want to spend, yeah. you know, five times that much, or in some cases, a little bit more than that? Mm -hmm. Well, interesting, Wendy. Gosh, um, I love your questions. Like, in this largest scale study, what they found was the most common injury was a skier thumb injury. So thank you for mentioning that. Well, and I will start with there. So there, I just want to say there are other good quality poles, but I always cringe when I hear people say, go to Costco or go to Walmart and just get a cheap pair. It's like, oh, no, like you wouldn't get a cheap pair of, you know, running shoes to prevent injuries. So you shouldn't get, you know, uh, you should get a, a good pair of poles. So I would say the main difference is we don't have the strap. We've got an ergonomic handle, so to prevent, you know, injuries of the wrist. And um, there are three anti-vibration features because this is a repetitive task. There's a lot of vibration when your pole hits the ground. So we try to reduce that amount of stress on your joints. And then going back to our the button lock system, it bears, you know, 200 pounds. So if you're using this instead of Kane's crutches or to reduce these walkers, you can put a lot of weight on each pole and it's not going to slide. So some of the cheap poles can be as low as, 
you know, you put 20 to 40 pounds of direct pressure on it and the pole will slide. So that is certainly unsafe for our rehab clients. And I would say people, you know, we developed our poles to last. I'm not really into the kind of throwaway culture that, you know, we have with a lot of, um, with, with a lot of products. We developed it so that you can, you can have the poles they are going to last a long time. You do have to replace the tips because they will wear down. They, they're made 100% rubber, but absolutely the grip will um, start to wear down. So that's about the only thing you do need to change. Um, the other thing, too, is we did change the, the base of the pole is different. So we, for rehabilitation, it's more like a bell-shaped tip that creates more stability and it forces the pole into an upright position. So if you can kind of think of it, what the research shows is that when a pole is vertical, you get more balance and offloading and that bell-shaped tip forces in that position. If you want your pole to really push you forward and create a lot of, uh, create a good cardiovascular workout, you want your pole to be diagonal and it's a boot-shaped tip that generally comes with a Nordic walking pole um, that you can still get those from our poles as well, but there's just, you, you can choose between, you know, which pole would be best for you. So, yeah, I would say in terms of having a quiet, high quality, you know, a good weight bearing pole and a handle that really helps to um, develop your ability to do that core strengthening, offloading balance, um, our, our core grip will assist you with that. And I can see from looking at your website that if you purchase a, a pair of poles and at a later date, you mentioned you have to replace the tips because they wear, but you could potentially start out if you were in a, a rehab setting with the, uh, the bell-shaped tips and later go more to the urban boot tip as you progressed. Absolutely. Thank you for making that point. You know, we have so many people who will start off, particularly, for example, take post-hip and knee surgery. They'll start off, you know, using our activator poles and the bell-shaped tip. But, you know, after three months, you should be able to, you know, uh, walk without any devices. But what they'll do is they'll just use it for exercise. They'll change it to the boot-shaped tip and they'll use it for the poling or, you know, they can use it for hiking. So, um, yeah. And then the other thing, too, is we try to keep our pricing, you know, in the middle. So we try to keep it high quality, but we try to keep it in the middle. So, you know, the poles range anywhere from, like you mentioned, anywhere from $20 to, you know, 250 So we've tried to stay more in the middle. And then also, if, if someone is a, is a fitness instructor, if they are a um, exercise physiologist or a therapist, we do offer professional pricing so that they can bring it into their, you know, clinic or provide it, try it out, use it for their services or for their clients. And that's anywhere from about 25 to, you know, 35% off that they can get. I'm curious, thinking of it from the fitness point, um, I know you, you mentioned that uh, the fitness people were the first people to kind of jump on board when you started urban polling and kind of one of the, one of the jokes among people in the fitness industry is, you know, 
squirrel. They see something and they, you know, right. they see a squirrel and they jump from one thing to another. The, the, interest, the interesting thing to always do every January or February, the American College of Sports Medicine comes out with the top 20 fitness trends of whatever the year is. And if you go back five or 10 years, it's interesting to see the things. I'm curious, uh, with the fitness people being the earliest adopters, how you've seen more recently when uh, different group classes and people are looking for different things, how you've seen the fitness people continue to grow or whether it's uh, fairly stagnant? Yeah, you know, we've been lucky. We have a lot of our original fitness instructors still with us. I think because it's pretty versatile, you can use it for, you know, so many, I mean, the polls just don't have to be for urban polling. You can be for so many other activities. So it's allowed them to not be stagnant with the polls. And then now we've, you know, for example, just a couple of weeks ago, our, uh, one of our fitness instructors started doing virtual fitness classes with people using polls in their house. And so they can do high intensities, standing exercise with the poles. And so it's, it continues to change. So I think overall, the difference is absolutely that, that we've got, you know, I think fitness trainers are more into trends, but overall, I have to say we've kept most of them. They've seen that it can be used in a diverse kind of way. Um, a lot of fitness trainers also, I find, are doing more, rehab related conditions as well as so we've got this aging population so maybe before they were always looking for the high intensity boot camp but i think they're realizing a lot of their clients are getting older and getting aches and pains and so this fits well with them yeah um so yeah and then i would say physios are, therapists are the opposite they start off really slow and then it's actually really hard to get them off a trend so um yeah, so I, and, and interesting enough, I've never looked at it as a trend. I've always felt like this did have a place as a lifelong activity. So, sorry, I used the word trend myself, but I have to say, I wasn't, I was never really interested in bringing a trend that would come in and out. It was always about, well, yeah, bringing something in that would just keep growing and being sustainable for, for a long time. I, I don't mean this in a negative way. I'm, I'm reminded when you said this that very often the longest lasting things in the fitness field are the things that are basic and walking is pretty yeah. basic and, you, and you've put your own spin on them. I'm, I'm reminded yeah. I, I interviewed a, a good friend of yeah. mine who has, who has a bike fit business. And I remember in 1996 when I met him at Auburn University and they were teaching spin classes at one of the facilities and his comment was, why is this new? I did this at the Olympic Training Center in the early 1980s. <laughs> and I just interviewed him a few weeks ago and we, and we laughed about it because depending on the part of the country or the part of the world you're in, spinning is the latest, newest, and hottest thing. And now it's 40 some years old or more. So I think, yeah, you, I so think, you, could, I think you could say walking is the same. All of a sudden people are realizing, oh, wait, I don't need that big fancy treadmill. I can actually go out and walk on my own sidewalk or in my own park. Shocking or amazing. Absolutely. I know it's funny too, even about biking, like, you know, what's old comes new again. Like what I've noticed during this COVID too, even about biking is 
I can, we cannot believe how many people are out biking and using it to get to work. We're like, what a novel idea. <laughs> Except in Scandinavia and other countries like that. Exactly. <gasps> We've had the good fortune, to, and I apologize if I butcher your name, to talk to Mandy Shintani. She is the founder of Urban Polling. We will almost certainly have this on both our Moving to Live and Fitness Lab Pittsburgh podcast because I think what's old is new and I think anything that encourages people to get outside and move is that. Uh, Mandy, I want to thank you for taking time to talk to Moving to Live. I've really enjoyed it and I'm looking forward to learning more about urban polling. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. And um, yeah, just thank you so much for including me. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Moving to Live. Make sure you check out the show notes for contact information for our latest guest, as well as links about all the things we talked about. Intro and exit music is Traveling Light by Jason Shaw. You can subscribe to Moving to Live on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play, and be notified about new episode releases. Have any questions, comments, or suggestions? Drop us an email, mov2liv at gmail.com. Connect with us on Twitter or Instagram, both underscore MOV number two LIV. Please tell your friends about Moving to Live. It's a go-to place for information for movement and exercise professionals and amateur aficionados who understand that movement is part of what makes your life complete. Until next week, keep on moving.